Good evening, everybody. I'm glad all y'all made it in here, despite the Super Bowls going on. But, you know, like he said earlier, you can go back and watch it later. So be mindful. So, But I'm just glad to see all y'all. But I'm going to pick on my wife a little bit. Today's her birthday. Happy birthday. So I just want to tell her happy birthday and how glad I am to be married to somebody like her because the Lord put us together. Even even in our sin, the Lord put us together because he knows the path that we're going to go. You know, and it's just from where we was at and where we are now, I, I cannot thank the Lord enough that he brought us from where we was at to where we are now, you know. The things that, you know, we used, you know, drink, you know, you know, we didn't go to no bars or nothing like that, but we wasn't living right, you know. I like to drink with a bunch of friends. They'd all come over, family come over, and, you know, we'd sit around the campfire, drink, shoot the breweries and everything else, but, you know, that's, that's not us anymore. You know, when we got saved, we took all our alcohol and dumped it down the drain. Come on. From what we used to do, you know. The Lord put that on our hearts to do that. You know, we had liquor stored in the freezer for years and years and years, and we poured all of it down the drain. Amen. You know, the wife, Jessica, you know, before we got saved, she would use alcohol to cook. The Lord put us put a stop to that real quick, you know, when we the when we did that after we got saved, it tasted so nasty. It mm. ruined us on some things. And then you know what's funny? People will actually give you that now. They're like, I don't want that. You need to just I, you find somebody else to give that to. We don't want it. We had our neighbor give us a rum cake this year for Christmas, and they're like. We don't want that, so we ended up giving it to somebody else because <laughs> we ain't going to eat it, you know. But that's just what I'm saying, though. Be mindful of the Lord and what he's got planned for you because you do not know. I, I couldn't imagine in 100 years from when we first got together, we would be standing in this church worshiping the Lord Praise with God. every single one of y'all. Come on. So you never know, you know. That's, you know, and that's another thing, though, that's really been getting under my skin, you know, and he hit a little bit on it this morning, is these false preachers out here. You've got people that'll take and quote scripture, right? They'll quote scripture, reading directly from the Bible, and then they'll start singing songs with cuss words in it. You know, that was one of the very first things that the Lord helped me deliver from because I had such a potty mouth. And the more people I got around, the worse they got, the worse I got. And I would bring that stuff home, and my wife would get on to me all the time, but I'd just roll it, out, you know, roll it off my shoulder and everything. But you can't act like that. You cannot sit here and quote Scripture and then just sing a song with bad words in it. That's not right. And I put shame on them preachers that tell them that they can do that. Right. That's not right. I put. I wish the Lord. I pray for the Lord to put y'all under conviction, especially you preachers saying it's okay to live like that. It's not. I'm going to tell you the Lord changed me for the better. He didn't. He didn't just save me for me to stay the way I was. He changed me. He saved me and changed the way I live. Do I have it all together? No. But I'm not afraid to admit it, and I'm not afraid to hit my knees and ask the Lord to help me with my Amen. problems. Amen. 
We need more conviction in this world. We need more conviction on preachers that ain't preaching what they should be preaching. You know, he hit that nail on the head this morning. I, I tell you, everything he said was right on the money. And I hope people get under conviction from that message this morning because he's 100% right. Because that Amy, she reached out to me and Jessica after she left trying to drag us from this church. You know, that ain't right. You don't do that to people. You do not do that. You should be ashamed of yourself. I pray the Lord convicts you of that and you repent for what you have done. Dear Lord in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, I thank you for I, for the church that I'm in, Lord. I thank you that everybody in this church stands on your word and stands for you, Lord. I thank you that they share this gospel with other people, even though other people hate hearing the truth. And that's exactly what it is, Lord. It's the truth. Lord, we thank you that we have a preacher that has a backbone to stand up for what he believes Lord, and we thank you for everything that you've done in my life, Lord, and in my family's life, Lord. And I ask you to keep touching each and every single person in this church, Lord. And Lord, I ask you to touch the ones that ain't here tonight, Lord. And Lord, as the the Hendesees gets ready for that trip, Lord, I ask you to put a hedge of protection around them, Lord. Be with them, Lord. And and they're sick with uh, Christie's father, Lord. I ask you to keep touching him, Lord. And Lord, I ask you to touch Patricia, Lord, as she called me too late to come in here tonight, Lord, but you know everything that needs to be done with her, Lord. I ask you to touch her and lift her up right there in her living room right now, Lord. I ask you to just touch her greatly, Lord. And Lord, I ask you to anoint the preaching tonight, Lord. Anoint it greatly, Lord. Anoint the messenger, Lord. Anoint our ears to hear and prick our hearts with the message that's coming forth tonight, Lord. And we thank you for everything you're doing, Lord. Amen.
Praise the Lord, Brian already started out testifying, didn't he? That was good. I was thinking about, you know, you were talking about how your wife used to get on to you and tell you not do this, not do that. And it's, it can be a little rough, but boy, when the Holy Ghost gets on you. <laughs> and maybe he was probably using her to do it. <laughs> but when the Spirit of God gets on to you, he says, uh-uh, stop that. Don't do that anymore. Amen. Then it's a whole lot different than somebody else telling you not to do it. It's called an inward conviction then. Amen. And you're not doing it because somebody made you. You're doing it because it's something that the Lord has put on your heart. And it, and it don't necessarily always mean what's wrong for me is wrong for you. Now, sin is sin. If sin is something wrong, it's wrong. Don't understand. But there may be some things you may not have certain conviction about. You might be able to watch something on television. It's not so bad, not wrong. Whereas if somebody else says, I don't watch that. I don't watch just my conviction. Everybody has different convictions. Amen. But I'm glad that somebody has some. Amen. That.
people can say, hey, the Lord has dealt with me about this, and I don't do this, and it ain't because I think I'm better than anybody. It's what God has put in my heart. And happy birthday, Jessica. Amen. Got them boys all growing up, family growing up. Kids, gosh, these kids around here, I can't get over how much they're growing. But the Lord's blessed these kids in this church, hasn't he? Amen. And he's going to bless them. He's going to bring them along and use them in the days ahead. Amen. I know uh, Lucas and Candace is expecting number three. Yeah. yeah. I tell him we're going to get some stickers put on the back of his truck. It says, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> he said he saw somebody in town had one that said, eight is enough on it. <laughs> but we love the kids around here. We love our kids. And we know that God has blessed us with them. He wants to use them. Amen. Let's take up the offering tonight. I hope you were blessed this morning. hope you're ready for blessing tonight. My wife's going to be preaching, so I know you'll be in for blessing. So pray for her. Pray for us. Pray for your church. Pray for those that God's put here to preach, to teach the Word of God, to help you out. Those that play, those that sing, those that do stuff. It's not always easy. Amen. So we need your help sometimes. We need you to pray for us. And it blesses my heart to see people at times praying for other people. Uh, that sometimes that I'm praying for that I feel like I might not be breaking through to. And then you see somebody else praying for somebody. Hey, I like that. I like to see somebody else praying. I noticed I was bragging this morning on them two. Walked out the door. They stopped my daughter and the Malachi and lady said, well, can we pray for you? And they gathered. They just touched my heart watching y'all. I wasn't getting in y'all's business, but that touched my heart to see them praying for my daughter and praying for that baby. Because they know God has a plan for that girl and for that baby. The devil wants to try to wreck it, but he ain't going to. He ain't going to. He's a liar. Amen. But God is in control. Amen. And God's going to turn some things around. Amen. He's going to bless her. He's going to bless that child. And he's going to move in the days ahead. Amen. And she's going to have a good, good life and a good family. God has good futuristic plans. Whether you believe it or not, I don't care. I know what the Lord's put into my spirit. Amen. God can turn some things around and he can change things for people if they'll trust him. And so you keep praying for your church. Pray for each other. Pray for your pastors. Pray for our family. Don't ridicule people. Just pray for them. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're having to deal with. And the last thing sometimes you need is somebody heaping it on you when you already got it heaped on you. So pray for people, amen. Jason, good to see you tonight. I almost didn't know you when you walked in the door. Mountain Man Beard came back. He went back to the 80s, I think. But he's here tonight, so it's good to see you. So let's take up the offering and ask the Lord to bless it. Lord, we ask you to bless the service tonight. We ask you to move in our midst. We ask you to bless the givers tonight. Lord, I pray that you would begin to move more and more upon people, God, to give, to help us to do what you've called us to do here, Lord, to bless the trips to africa lord the places the doors that you open up to send us to preach lord we ask you that you would move upon people to see the vision to understand it and to be in agreement with us lord we ask you to lay your hand upon this service tonight touch us touch my wife and move in jesus name amen
while my wife's coming, I want to give a little short testimony real quick. Something just came back to my mind. You know, I'd been having a, a problem with this uh, heating unit and air on the other side of this building for, I don't know, months now. We had, I was having some problems with electrical issues somewhere and couldn't quite get it nailed down. I did some things and it would work a little bit and then it quit and it worked and it quit, kind of like us, huh? And so it, it went on and on and on. Then it got real cold, so I couldn't really go outside and mess with the unit a whole lot. It kept blowing the fuse in that furnace back there. And I said, there's a short somewhere. It's in that outside unit somewhere, but I don't know where. So I was talking to one of my old bosses a while back and Man knows everything. There isn't nobody they see, and I'd learned a lot from him. And I'd ask him questions. He told me to try this, try that. I did. Had it running for a minute, and went right back to doing it, blowing the fuses. And so I had to just turn the outside unit off and just turn on just electric heat only for, uh, for the cold. And of course, if it's, you know, most of y'all that have heat pumps, you know that you don't really want to do that unless you have to, because when the electric's just, electric heat's on, your meter kind of just spins, you know. So, Last couple of months, electric bill was higher here, and she got after me the other day. Said electric bill, electric bill was high again this month. What else? All right, I'll I'll try to mess with it again. You know, uh, I'll see what I can do because the weather broke. So yesterday, I was down here, and I, I after I was praying and everything, you know, getting ready for church and all, I said, "All right, Lord," I said, "I'm gonna go look at this thing again. That you help me, show me." What it helped me to try to figure out what this is, and I started to call my old boss again. And it was like the Lord said, "Don't call him." Don't call him. No, you don't you call him. And I'm going to make a point here. Because many times when we don't quite know what to do about stuff, that's what we want to do. We want to go to somebody else. And and this is not the first time it's ever happened. So I went back in there, and I turned that furnace on. I turned the regular heat back on. Pop, pop the fuse. It's okay. I, put another, I bought a whole pack of fuses real cheap off the Internet so I could just, when I blow them, I got an extra one. So I put another fuse in it, and I saw, hold on now. I went outside. I pulled the plug on the outside unit. I opened the door up. So I'm looking inside of it because if y'all don't know this, if you know ants and stuff and little bitty termites and things, when it gets real cold out, they look for heat. And they can get in your electrical components and stuff and cause a short. Well, I got in there got to looking. There was none of that. And something told me, something I just felt this, you know, something tell me, take, take the top off the unit. Take the whole top off. I've done this a hundred times when I used to work on them. Take the top off. So I took the top off. And I got to looking down in there, was tracing everything, and sure enough, I looked and I seen about two or three little electrical wires laying on a copper line that was vibrating real bad. And they were just about to melt. They weren't burned, but they were just enough resistance going through them. I pulled those wires away from that copper, separated every bit of it. I put the top back on. I went in and turned it on, and it's been working right ever since. And... (laughs) I told my wife, I said, praise the Lord. God showed me what was wrong. I wanted to run, to, I wanted to ask for, it ain't nothing wrong with asking for help, but it was like the Lord said, no, you let me. I'll help you figure it out. The Lord can help you figure anything out. Trust me, he can do it, amen. I just wanted to tell that, so now the electric bill goes down, and I was out of trouble. You ready?
Check my batteries. What's your job? It's like your job to make sure that electric bill stays down. You can't, I can't give it to you. Mm-mm. All right, now we got electric bill under control. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 21. We hope we do. I'll let y'all know next month when it drops down $200. You'd think a church would get a break, but we don't. Just a test. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you for everything that you did this morning. Lord God, we ask that you would move in here tonight, Lord God, that you would have your way in here, that you would move by your power and by your spirit, that you would touch each person that is watching, God, that is watching right now, that may watch at a later time. God, that you would anoint us to bring forth your word in truth and in power, that you would have your perfect will through my mouth, Lord God, that you would remove me out of the way, that you would be heard, that you would be seen, that you would be lifted up, that we could learn from you and your word tonight, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that you would remove every hindrance out of the way. God, help us to keep our eyes fixed and focused upon you and not a man or a woman, Lord God. We thank you for everything, God, that you have done. But most of all, we thank you for sending Jesus to die upon that cross and to shed his blood that we can be free. Thank God I am free. I am free. I am free, Lord God, from the powers of the enemy, from the rule of Satan, and from myself, Lord God, because the power of the Holy Spirit resides within us. And we thank you for that power, Lord, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You just got to remember that back in the Old Testament, they didn't have what we have. You know, we want to pout and carry on and come and all this stuff. And we don't, we, they did not have what we have today. And today we are without excuse because we have the word of God. We can read it from Genesis to Revelation. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us to lead us, to guide us, to teach us. We don't need of a man to teach us. We got the man through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we are blessed today. We have it better than they did in the old covenant in the in the old testament the new covenant is jesus christ and the power of the holy spirit he came to do that for us are we so great no we are still nothing without him the only greatness in us what is so good about us what is so great about us what makes us so powerful is the holy spirit that is within us and that is given by and through jesus christ given to us by god through our faith in jesus christ so we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 31, and I'm sorry if I sound like I'm talking through my nose, or I have had some sinus issues for months, and they've I'm, I'm back on long-term antibiotics and steroids until I can get better, and I'm finally starting to see the light. So just bear with me, and I'm sorry if it, if it sounds odd, but it's not near as odd on your end as it is on this side. I mean, it's been, it's been a battle, among other battles that we face. 
But it just lets me know when we're in a battle, when we're going through things, that we're on the right track. That we are on the right, when the enemy is fighting, when the devil is roaring his head and coming against us and in and, and, and that way, we know that we're doing something. You know, we have to remember it. We don't fight against flesh and blood. You know, this is a spiritual war. We're in a spiritual war. I know everybody doesn't see it that way. It may attack our, our bodies, our minds, our physical beings, it, it, physically, emotionally, financially. All of those things are affected at times by things that we go through. But it is always for our good. God never puts things on us that's going to destroy us that he wants to use to destroy us. He wants to break us down, maybe destroy some flesh. But it's never... in. For anything negative for us. It's always for a positive outcome. So tonight we're in Proverbs chapter 31. And we're going to start in verse 10. And I think that I'm going to read a few scriptures. And then we'll go through and, and talk about it. Expound on it. It says... Now, let me just verify or confirm to you. This is not just for women, so men need to listen as well. And it's not just for married folk. I know we always say, oh, chapter 31, for the, just listen. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ship. She brings forth from food from afar. She rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it, and with the fruit of her hands she plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle goes not out by night. She lays her hand to the spindle, and her hand holds the distaff. She stretches forth. She stretches out her hand to the poor, and... Yes, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. A couple more. She is not afraid. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, and for her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is like silk and purple, or is silk, silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes fine linen and sells it and delivers, and delivers girls unto the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. It says, she looks well to the ways of her household and eats not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but you excel them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. 
but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gate. Yeah, that's what a woman ought to be. That's what we all ought to be. That's just not a woman, but back in verse 10, it says, who can find a virtuous woman? Yeah, I need a woman that's this and that and the other and this. I'm going to tell you what, it's not like that at all. If you are saved, born again, a believer of Jesus Christ, this should be you. Female and male in some aspects of this. Virtuous, what is that? That The character of this woman, she's got power. she got Holy Ghost power. It's not just that she does all these things and that makes her good. We don't do, it's not what we do that makes us good. It's what we believe. It's where is your faith? Because proper faith produces proper works. And how we act, what we do, our character, our strength, the power and our worth is all found in Christ. Now, this is telling us what women, uh, a wife, should be. It is her desire. It is should be what her heart beats for a wife. This is what she is. And women in general, we don't talk enough, I, I don't think, maybe enough about what a, what a woman should be like, what a man should be like, what a husband should be like, and what a wife should be like. We just kind of skip over a lot of marital things issues and and directly to calling them out it, everything in the word of god and everything that preached here will help you in your marriage it doesn't have to be called this is for married folk and this is for single folk because the bible is for everyone but the woman the woman has a very difficult role in life she is compared to Eve, you know. And I read something the other day that said if Eve had not had that conversation with the devil, why is she conversing with the devil about what something God said? And even que- why are they questioning what God said? Had she said, talk to the hand because the ears are not listening? And we know things came to pass as for a reason. But conversation you have with people influences you. You're either influencing them or they're influencing you. Whether or not you believe that doesn't make it false. You can say, that's not true. Okay. You can believe whatever you want to. I mean, the devil still believes he's going to win. The devil was in heaven, people. He was an, he was in heaven. And because of rebellion, pride, selfish reasons, he got kicked out, rebelled against God, rebelled against God in the beginning. And there Eve is talking to him. So who we talk to and what we talk about is an influence. Her price is far above rubies. You cannot buy it. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't, it comes by and through Jesus Christ. There's a lot of good women, I'm sure, good women out there that don't know Jesus. 
but they're not good. The only goodness in them is Jesus Christ. They may do some good things, but inside they're rotten. They're black. And it's not perfect. Now I have to remind people quite often, what you see on the internet is not real life. What you watch on TV is not real life. You're no, people don't share the brutality, the abuse, the, the, the things that go on behind closed doors. Not always. And then there's other attention seekers that'll share it all because they want people look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me on attention. Me, I'm a private person. I'm a very private person. And I'm not going to tell you details about things in my life, but it's just not not who I am. Uh, to a degree, I will. Testimonies, I'm going to give you testimonies, but you're not going to get all the details. I just am not comfortable sharing them. And I'm not one to give you all my private information. But I can tell you when I'm going through something. I mean, I've got testimonies. And if I never hear you with a testimony, I'm going to wonder what's going on in your life. Why you don't have to give anybody any details. But you all know I was on drugs. It doesn't matter all the things that I did. But some of the things people need to know because it is a testimony. It gives people hope knowing that somebody that was on drugs and bound like I was, can be delivered and set free and stay free and become a woman of God that God wants me to be. And it doesn't come by anything that I can try to do. It comes by asking, knocking, seeking, and admitting when I am wrong. Admitting that I need a change and when my focus gets off to be reminded that it is me. Like they, Brian said and even um, Thomas, it's not always the other spouse or other person, co-worker that is in need of a change. It is me. God help me to deal with this person that is like that. It's not Thomas's fault. I ran my fist through the wall. Did you? No. If I wanted to, yeah. It's not his fault I lost my temper. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. He doesn't have to worry when he goes and leaves that she's going to be laying around the house doing nothing and not being productive or being off doing things she shouldn't be. He trusts her. Trust her with the house, with the kids, with the finances. Trust her in the Lord, in the things of God. Doesn't have to worry about what she's doing with what God's given her. Why? Because she's proven herself to be true. You know, respect, you know, everybody wants respect and respect. I need to respect me. Well, you, you got to earn that. You don't just automatically get born in your respect because of who you are, what you do, where you live, what you, what job you have. You have to earn that. And when you lose that trust and respect, you got to earn it back. You can't just say, oh, sorry about that, and think automatically you just jump back on the bus and go where you are. It just doesn't happen like that. People don't just trust you willingly. you got to prove yourself. Study to show yourself. A workman, you, I mean, you got to know the word. 
And when you mess up, you got to know, you know what? It's my fault. I did this. This is me. Take, take claim of your wrongs. Own up to it. We got to grow up in the church. Bunch of babies drinking milk when they should be. You know, you want Malachi's bottle when you ought to be eating this food that we're cooking for the table. She does good for him and not evil. Well, he made me mad. I'm, I'm burn his food. It's not that way. She doesn't even think like that. When, when we get mad or upset, we take it to the Lord. But if we're not spending time with the Lord, if we're not reading our Bibles and we don't have any relationship with the Lord, why do we expect him to be so abundant in our life when we're not giving him, we can't give him five minutes of our day? Well, you just don't know what I'm going through. So, I don't see that in Scripture. You got Scripture for you going through something is okay? And everybody else has to live up to the standard? I don't think so. She does good to him all the days. She seeks wool. She works. She's not lazy. That's, we got a, this next generation, Michaela's age, and I'm telling you what, and younger, they are lazy. And you know what's made them lazy? The cell phone. You take a cell phone. You want to watch somebody go into a mental ward? You take somebody under the age of 35 cell phone away from them. They'll be down at the Hawassi Mental Center in 20 minutes. You break that phone, they'll be down. That you, that, well, I don't have enough money to pay my bill. You let that phone break. They were going to come up with $600 to pay that, buy them another phone. The internet, the social media, the, the cell phone has The devil has used it to draw people out. How much time do people spend on social media? The kids are lazy. Let's give them a phone or a tablet. I can't stand it in the restaurant to see some kids sitting there. They walk in with it, go sit down with it. They're eating with it, and they leave with it because there's no discipline. If you don't spank your child's butt, you are withholding from them, and you are wrong. We don't have to spank ours. Lies. Your child needs their butt spanked. I don't care who you are or what you believe. If you're not disciplining your child, you don't love them. Plain and simple. She's already starting with Malachi. I said, don't, don't do it in front of me. Say, you want pow pows on the, on the bottom? He knows what stop means. He looks, and he's seven months old. So don't tell me two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen doesn't know what stop means. If a six, seven-month-old knows, then your children know. They don't need a cell phone in front of their face. That is what is destroying because parents are not training these children in the way that they should. Oh, they're training them in the way that they're going to go. You better bet that. And that is the way they're going to go, bound to a device, bound to social media, to fake life. Instead of putting them in front of a Bible, reading to them, praying for them, or entertaining them. She rises yet while it is still night and gives meat to her house and a portion to her maid. She's not a lazy person. She's getting up and she's doing what the Lord has called her to do. You know, women, we, we have a home. 
We have a home. We have a house. Some of us have children at home. And we are to conduct ourselves every day and to do, we, we tend to the house. We are, we are directors of our house, so to speak. We run the house in that manner of laundry and things in that order. The husband is the spiritual head of the house. And he's also supposed to be the provider. Because my Bible tells me in First Timothy that a man that doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. What does that mean? You know what an infidel is? Unbeliever. Worse than an unbeliever? Worse. Men are supposed to carry the financial responsibility and the spiritual responsibility. And if they're carrying that spiritual responsibility, they'll want to provide for their house, for their wife, for their children. Today, it's all wrong. Society has it all wrong, and that's why everybody is at work all day long working because nobody is balanced. For one, the first problem is that they're not in the Word of God together. Individually and then together. They're not a doer of the Word. They hear, maybe, but they're not doing it. They don't care, they don't want to, the lazy, the idleness. And men and women alike, no one is excluded. We're all going to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account. What else does she do? She directs her house daily, the household duties. I mean, because if at my house, if mama don't clean... Don't nobody clean. I mean, a lot of places, homes are like that. It's the woman's responsibility. It's quiet in here. I mean, we work. I don't know why nobody wants, wants to work, wants to be busy all day. Why would we want to be idle? Why do we want to be lazy? You can't get anything done for the Lord being lazy. We got a lot of lazy Christians. If they're lazy at their house and the things that God has given them, the things that mean a lot to them, their, their families or their home, what, their, then what do you think they're going to do with what God's called them to do? Nothing. That's why there's so many lost people in this world. You want to, they're lazy Christians. Well, because I don't have a title, I'm not supposed to do that. That's wrong thinking. And that's your fault that you think like that. If if you think that the preacher is above everybody else, that's because you've made it that way. That's not the preacher telling you that. And if he does, you're listening to the wrong ones. And that's why we have problems if you don't, have a title, you don't want to do anything. And that's why we have a tax on the pastor because people want him to be down low. They want to be better than him. I hear it quite often from people that don't have a title to their name or don't have a role in church that, well, I'm just a pew sitter. That's because that's what you've chosen to be. 
That's because that's what you do. That's all you want to do. That's all you can do because you're not growing in the ways and knowledge. You don't have the relationship you need with the Lord because otherwise he'd be saying, get up. Your job, everybody's job can't be in here. We don't have that kind of work in here for everybody to be coming in. And I know that other churches, they have somebody teaching all these little groups. That's because it keeps people there. Draws them in and keeps them because they're doing something. That you should have that desire from the Lord. Your purpose is to love and to serve the Lord and then to go out from where you are and to preach and teach the gospel and share it and give it to others. Don't withhold it. We talked about it this morning. We heard it preached this morning. If you withhold the gospel, the person that dies and goes to hell that you were supposed to minister to, their blood's going to be on your hands. Well, they would get mad at me. Oh, okay. You want to stand before God and he's going to say, okay, well, here's your free pass for that soul that died and went to hell because you didn't want him to be mad at you. That's right. Tell him. She considers a field. She plans ahead. She plots. She thinks. She plans it. She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She is strong in the Lord and the power of his might. She has boldness, not over her husband, but boldness in the Lord, not to allow devils and people and and religious folks to push her down and to stop her. She's not crying in the corner, complaining and murmuring. She's up. She's got strength. She's got power. She knows what her role is, and she's doing it because she loves the Lord. She has the power of the Holy Spirit. Is everybody bored? She's not afraid of the snow. I'm not afraid of the snow, but I don't like it. It's messy. You have to wait for it to all end and the roads to clear up for you can wash your nasty car. It tracks into the house, which means you got to wash everything and the floors are dirty. It's a mess. It's slippery on the road. It prevents you from going here and going there. It's yucky. You have to change your shoes. They get wet. It's a mess. It's pretty. And then it needs to go away. Her house is her household is clothes. She makes coverings of tapestry and clothing. Well, I can't sew. Well, you can learn. Not that y'all need to be making stuff. I'm not saying that. She's working. She's doing. She provides what is needed. The husband is the spiritual head. And, you know, there, there are households where the woman has to be the spiritual head because the husband is not Or he won't. He hasn't arrived there yet. You know, when we first got saved, we we were married. We had been married six months when we got we had gotten saved, and I mean, there wasn't any leader. Leadership was it was bad. We were leading each other in the wrong direction. But it took time for the Lord to bring him to that level. He didn't just automatically start being the spiritual the head. He was placed in that. But it took time for him to grow and to be able to lead us the way that God wanted him to. But God grew him, and it doesn't come instantly. It takes time. 
had he just said, well, you're on your own, we would be out of order. And when your house is out of order, your house is out of order. When your house is out of balance in that way, your house is out of balance. Now, it can run with the woman leading. I know someone has come to me recently with some marital issues, several have actually, uh, lately, and I find it I, I find it ironic that this is going on in the church world. You wouldn't believe the amount of marital problems in churches where people are hold offices, high offices, low offices, medium offices, from the bottom to the top, in the middle everywhere, or what you would consider high and low. And they're not getting the preaching that they need. There's not sin being called out. There's not order in the home. There's not being called out. They're not, the the men and the women are not being, young people are not being trained in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not being told. The preachers are at fault. But there's a lot of things going on in homes today that, are awful behind closed doors, and they come and sit on a pew. Maybe one sings in the choir. Maybe one teaches Sunday school. And then behind closed doors, they are abusive. They're hateful. They're ugly. They're not leading their home in the way that they should. The woman is having to lead the children. And and being in control of every aspect of that's out of balance. It's a burden she don't need to be bearing. It's a it's something she doesn't need and not scripturally supposed to be carrying, but she's having to. And it, it breaks them down. It's a burden instead of a joy, as this should be a joy. So when the husband is the spiritual head of the house, and for those that aren't married, Christ is your spiritual head. So you've got to answer to somebody. Well, I'm, I'm off the hook. I'm single. No, you're not. You're not. You're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord because you don't have a spouse to do it. It's between you and the Lord. When you're down, spouse isn't going to say, let's come on, let's go. We got to go to church today. It, it, it's just you. You got to say, get up. Get to the house of God. Don't be lazy. Don't be idle. God's called me to be there. I'm supposed to be there. God's called me to go to work. I got to get up and go to work. There ain't no lazy in our house. I'm going to tell you right now. And Thomas and I are both like that. If you're lazy, you're going to hear about it. Michaela is not lazy. But we, we, we can see the laziness, not only in the church, but of the young people. And it is because the adults Permit it. Train up a child in the way that they, the Joneses, well, you're the Joneses, but y'all are still the Joneses. I mean, brown Joneses. It's hard to break that. Those kids, they make make them, they make them work around the house or wherever they go and whatever jobs they do, they work. Training them up not to be lazy. You too. I'm teaching him to get those little baby wipes and, and wipe. 
when he made I said, you're going to learn to clean because you're going to help me, me. You're going to help me, me clean. <laughs> and he said, okay. She's gonna, he's going to help. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders. And Brother Swagger's commentary says she was guided by the Holy Spirit in her choice of him. Likewise, he was guided in his choice for her. Just like Joseph and Mary, when Joseph was like, oh, wait a minute, she's pregnant, something, something not right. And God said, it's okay, this is me. You go right ahead. They didn't know the outcome. Could have been good. I mean, it could. It was good. It could have been bad. You have to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. She makes things and sells them. She says strength and honor are her clothing. That's what we're missing. Strength and honor. Boldness, honor, comeliness, goodly. All because of the Lord. This is in the Bible for a reason. Women, Christian women are not stepping up to the plate. Because it is our responsibility to train those new Christians. New women believe we're supposed to be an example. This woman is an example. God said, here's an example for you wives, for you women. This is what I, I, this is what a virtuous woman is. And it says, who can find a virtuous woman? It doesn't say a virtuous wife, but it says a virtuous woman. Who can find her? That means men are searching for women. Let's be honest. Most men are searching for a wife or for a woman. Who can, but are they searching for a virtuous woman, a godly woman, a woman that has these characteristics? Because they can identify that Christ is working in her. This is what the guideline is. This is our example. Are we like this? It's a reminder. If you're not like this and you don't have these qualities, there's something wrong in your relationship, your, gro- your growth with the Lord. Doesn't mean you have to be all this. I'm not, I'm not saying exactly. You don't have to go out and plant a vineyard. But she's planting. She's girded herself. It means self-effort. You have to make an effort to get up and read your Bible. You don't have a problem getting up and getting you some breakfast. You did not have time to eat. Ain't nobody in here skin and bones except Braxton. Maybe David, Emily. But we all we we all got enough. We don't we don't miss too many meals. But we don't get up in time to Spend time with the Lord. Why we rise up early and spend time with the Lord? Before the day starts, why wouldn't you? I think Grace and Lisa get up and together by 6, 6 o'clock doing their devotions and praying. And they do it together. You know why? That, that not really, but accountability kind of. They know that somebody else is there that's going to pray with them, that's looking to be in agreement with them. 
you know, kind of like when I want to go work out, I want somebody to kind of meet me there. It makes me get out of the bed at 4.35 o'clock. I'm more likely to get out if somebody's waiting on me at the gym than I am going to pull the covers and roll over. But we don't. They have. They do that. That's just what they do. They wake up and they do it because who they are. What? Because the Lord is growing. I'm not saying anybody has to do that at six o'clock a.m. You can do it at four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Doesn't matter. But it starts your day with the Lord. Kind of gets your focus off of that nightmare, maybe, or growling stomach, or maybe you eat before. I don't know what you do, but but before. The day starts, you spent time with the Lord, and it for me, it helps me recognize things that come my way. I'm more in tune with the Holy Spirit because my mind is already there. I'm already in this. I've already been on my knees. I've already prayed. And the end of the day doesn't come, and I'm like, dude, tired to get my Bible. I forgot. Like my workout, if I don't go in the morning, I, by the end of the day, I'm like, I don't feel like it. Or I forgot. Gotta go get Malachi. It's too late. I forgot. So start your day with the Lord. Rise up early to do that because you want to spend time. You know, when you look forward to seeing somebody every day, you want to get up. First thing you think about is them, him, or them, right? First thing we think about when our feet hit the floor is getting something to eat or going to jobs so we can get money. No, it's the Lord. It is the Lord. Put him first. Try it. And see, challenge, try it this week. Get up 10 minutes early. 10 minutes in the bed. 10 minutes. Look, you're going to waste 10 minutes on your phone sometime during the day. Spend 10 minutes first thing in the morning. If you don't already, just take that time and spend it with the Lord and see if your day does not go better. doesn't mean that things won't come your way, but you, your reaction, how you handle them will be much better. gets much more better. Her husband is known. She's picked him. She's delivering things. She's working. She's doing. She's got strength and honor. She opens her mouth with wisdom. Because if she's got kids, they're going to be coming to her with problems, with things, with issues, learning, wanting to know, or having things going on, or needing correction, needing to be taught. And a lot of times it's the mom or the woman that's, that's teaching the kids the word of God. If she doesn't know it for herself, how can she give it? Strength and honor are her clothing. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. Faith in Jesus Christ brings about power, the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to know how to have power in your life to be the woman of God, the man of God that God's called you to be? Keep your faith in Jesus. Exercise your faith. Put it into action. And when things come your way, your reaction is going to be godly or carnal, spiritual or carnal. Well, I lost my temper. That's your fault. That's your fault. 
It's not the car that pulled out in front of you. It's not the kids. It's not the husband. It's not the wife. It's not the co-worker. It's not the job. It's not the income. It's not the IRS. It is you that needs help. Not, not you're crazy. You might be. But you need the help of the Holy Spirit. She looks to her ways of the house and eats not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. It's not something she demands that they know that there's something different about my mom. You hear Donnie has said, I always knew there was something different about my dad. Well, it's because he was an evangelist. No, it was because he read his Bible. He lived it. He cared about souls. And he was a yielded vessel that God could use. And that was recognized and is recognized to this day in his life. And your children should recognize that in you. You know, if you tell mama, she's going to give you something scripture about it. You know, if you go snotting around mama, she's going to lay hands on you and going to be praying. (laughs) You start coughing at my house when we were little. I would do everything in the world not to cough. If you started coughing, you would hear a spoon in a bowl. And they'd be mixing up sulfur and molasses, powdered sulfur and molasses. You sick? I heard you coughing. Get down here. Oh, my gosh. You know what that was like? It was like eating Comet with some water in it. It is gritty. Try it. And when we would get sick, that's what they would give us, sulfur and molasses. When my mom and dad get sick, I say, I'm coming over with sulfur and molasses. They're like, mm-mm. I'm like, why was it okay for me? That's probably why we stayed healthy, sulfur and molasses. I'm sure we stunk at school, but, I mean, sulfur, you know what sulfur water smells like? Her children rise up, arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. How can he not? She's doing everything God's called her to do. Not that she's perfect, not that we're perfect and that he is perfect, but he sees in her what God has done and what he's doing and how he's using her. Her her children identify It's not that we're lifting her up and my mom's so great. It's that they see a call of God. They see the, the, the yielded vessel and that God is moving. The Holy Spirit is moving through her. You know, when you meet somebody and they're different, you don't have to be around them very long and you can see that there's something different about them. The favor of the Lord is upon them. Because their heart is yielded. It's open for the power of the Holy Spirit to move and work. They want it. They desire it. Many daughters have done virtuously, but you excel them all. Favor is deceitful. Don't let favor deceive you. 
Don't let the favor that others may have deceive you. Don't let the financial gain that others may have deceive you to say that they're blessed of God. You don't know that. Financial gain could be a curse to you. You could go get that lottery ticket and win and go back and back or or take that money and be dead or on drugs in 48 hours. You don't know. So those things, the things that we see, materialistic things, aren't always a blessing from God. They could be a curse from the enemy. Favor is deceitful. We don't, we don't judge what we have by the level of spirituality we are. Just because somebody, just like somebody, because they speak in tongues doesn't mean they got it all together and they're so spiritual. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Same for a man. It's not about what they have, and it's not about what they look like. You can find the ugliest person in the world, and they could be on fire for God and winning more souls than the most beautiful preacher in the world. It's not about the outward. It's what's inside And you know, everybody has met someone that was nice looking and you think they are and you get to know them and you're like, golly, they are ugly. That All that beauty, you don't see it anymore. You know why? Because beauty is only skin deep. As my mama used to say, beauty is only skin deep, but ugly goes clear to the bones. Rottenness goes clear to the bones. Beauty is is only skin deep on what you see. Beauty is either inward or outward, or it could be both, beautiful inside and out. But it's not what is on the outside that that tells who you are. It's what is in your heart. You know, the same on, on, on the same spectrum, we can, or the other end of the spectrum, we can say that somebody that we didn't think was very attractive, once you get to know them and you see how, how much they love the Lord, they become somebody that you admire maybe, or you, you, you see how beautiful that person is. The beauty in them, because it's in the, coming from the heart. Just like Miss Miss Evie, Miss Evie was that her name? Elvie, trying to Miss Elvie. It's a combination of your kids' names. Miss Elvie, you remember her, Roger? At that other church, she would get up and she, the pastor would say, um, she Miss Elvie came to us this morning with said the Lord laid a song on her heart. So then they would let her sing, and she would get up there, and when she started, it was. I don't know if it was off key or her voice wasn't, uh, she hadn't, pra- I don't know what it was, but it, it, it didn't sound like Baton Rouge. But when she, after she started, 
And the Spirit of God, you could see the Spirit of God fall on her. You could see it, you could feel it, and you could hear it. It was, it was what we needed. You could feel it. You know how when Karen's up here and you see her start feeling what she's singing? Then what do you start feeling it too? That's what it was like. And if anybody, I know people turned their nose up at her because she, she, I don't, I don't want to say she couldn't sing. She could sing. It just wasn't glamorous. But she, you could feel the presence of God strong when she would do it. And she wouldn't ask all the time, but she would come up. I mean, think about that. If I, if, if, if someone who doesn't always sings comes and says, the Lord has laid a song in my heart and they knew, can you imagine the faces? I mean, I'm sitting on, on your side. Can you imagine the faces that she sees when she starts? It's awful. I believe they let her do that. Why would they let her do that? I got to go to the bathroom. Stay in there for a while until she's done. And then I'll come back out when the good singers are up. Well, the good singers are over there going, turn my mic up. Turn it up. I can't hear myself. She's too loud. She's singing over me. Would they do that? Not that loud, but you would see them going. And meanwhile, I'm like, wherever the spirit was, he gone now. Because all I can see is I know she's mad at her. And that sound guy, he better get, put his cigarette down. He better get that sound up. Because the guy in the sound booth, when they started going, he would go outside and smoke a cigarette. When he was done, he'd come back in and finish. And I thought, why in the world? What in the world? It was a circus. And the clown was a pastor. Anyway, it's the Spirit of God. The, it says that she is praised, he is praised. And it doesn't mean that they are put on a pedestal. It means that there is a that people, spouses, friends, whatever, recognize. We recognize, even in here, we recognize when someone is called to sing or play or whatever you do. There's a rec- you recognize. you Grace, we tell her, she's done. Karen, you've done a good job. Thank you, Lucas. You know, we pray, you praise people for what they've done. It is a sacrifice. It's not easy. But they do it because they're doing it for the Lord. That's why the anointing comes. That's God's approval. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her at the gates. She is a virtuous woman. We should have, our character should be of strength and power and honor of the Lord. Second Peter says this. 2 Peter 1 and 5 says this. Well, 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these promises you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, which is salvation, given all diligence... To add to your faith virtue. This is speaking to everybody. You know, the Bible is written for believers. And to virtue, 
knowledge, power, knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's growing. And to knowledge, temperance, ooh, self-control. So don't tell me, do not tell me that your action was from the result of what someone else did. If they hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have lost my temper. No, you did not display self-control, and that's a fruit of the Spirit. Doesn't Galatians teach us that? We have the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Whatever is evidence is evidence. I mean, if you got rotten apples or you got crisp apples, the fruit tells the story. The fruit is what tells. That's why we judge fruit. And I'm, I'm just going to add, since it just kind of popped in my, my mind, the person that Thomas was speaking of this morning with the initials of KH, just for your information, anybody that goes on social media, on a public platform, and says that Brother Swagger says all the right things, but his heart has strayed, is of the devil. She is of the devil. She posted it. She said it to someone. So when she and her dog get on live stream to do her preaching and teaching, you are an idiot if you watch her. And if you are friends with anybody that watches her, you an idiot. You are a fool. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? She's bewitched you. Anybody that would tell any, the public that his heart has strayed is a liar. And they need their name called out. How dare anyone say that about him? How dare anyone say that publicly about anyone? I mean, I'm sitting here telling you her heart. I mean, she ain't. And the people that he named, if their salvation is questioned, I'm questioning it. I'd be surprised if they were on, if they were anywhere near on the same straight and narrow that I'm on. I'd be, I'd be surprised. You better watch who you listen to. I'm telling you, Facebook ain't what you, Facebook, social media, internet, it ain't all what you think it is. That's why you don't need to spend the majority of your time listening to what everybody else says. You need to be in the Word of God. That's why you don't need to listen to 1,500 preachers. That's why SBN only has FWC preachers preaching on their network. There's a reason they only listen to that group. It's not that they're a cult or elite or any of that is that they have they all had the same message and you know what for false doctrine people all the catholics or catholicism i don't expect them to why wouldn't they only want to listen to catholicism why doesn't church of christ only want to listen to church of christ and baptist only baptist and methodist only it's because that's what they believe and you know what you gotta you gotta say well at least they stick with what they believe 
even though it's, it, most of it's wrong. But that's why they do that. And that's why we tell you, you're better off either to just listen to them and hear. There's, I don't know many more that preach the same message. I, kn- I know that there are some. I do have, we do have friends that have churches that do. But you have to be careful what you listen to, what your eyes see, where you, what your ears hear, where your feet go, what your mouth says, what you feed your spirit, television, radio, internet, church, books. You have to guard your spirit because God's not going to come rip it out of your hand or shut your eyes or plug your ears or shut your mouth. He may want to, and he may do it one way or another physically, but you have to be careful. You have to guard your spirit like it's a billion dollars, how you would a billion dollars or a million dollars or ten dollars. You have to guard them like you would your kids. As your spirit is important. So to knowledge, temperance, self-control, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Again, that's all in Galatians 5. For if these things be in you and abound... They make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read it again. For if these things that we just went through, and virtue was the beginning, or faith was the beginning and then virtue. If these things be in you and abound, means they're growing, expansion, You're growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They make you that you shall neither be barren. You know what barren means? You don't, there's no fruit. Barren means you don't have kids. That means you're no no multiplying. Means you're a subtraction. Nor fruitful. You'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he who lacks these things is blind. Spiritually, nothing there. And cannot see afar off. And has forgotten. What did he talk about this morning? Turning. Has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall, which means if you don't, you can fall. And if you fall, a lot of people roll back down and go further down than they ever were and do things they said they'd never do again and do things they never did before. An old sin is an easy sin. It's easy to go back to cussing, drinking, smoking. But then there's another level that the backslider goes to. Once they turn their back on the Lord and you think, I can't believe they would ever do that. Seven times worse than they were. It happens. For the rather, brethren, give diligence. We're not diligent. We're lazy. We're idle, lazy, Christians, 
that can't make time for the things of God. And it's obvious by the emptiness of our church that people in our area, and you hear them when they call in, you know they're around here in driving distance. Where are they going to church? You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe what they listen to all month long, all week long, every Sunday, every Wednesday, what, and then, and then that too. The confusion that would be in my mind to listen to that. He has forgotten that he was purged from his old sin, but rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Take up your cross daily and follow after him every day. Every day. It's not about what do I want to do today. Today, I'm living for the Lord. Today, I got to do these things. I have to trust in the Lord or I'm going to fall away. I have to. I know I have to. If I turn my eye, the fear of the Lord that I have is that I know what I used to be. And I know that living in what we live in today, 25 years later, that if I turn from the Lord for a minute, for a moment, for a day, for an hour, for a week, that I, you talking about seven times worse, I know what that would look like. I don't know, but I can imagine from where I was that if I was to say no to the things of God, to turn my back, how far in sin I would go. I don't know how long I would live, and that makes me tremble to think that I could. But how could I? How could I walk away from what God has done? People do it every day. You have to keep yourself in check. You have to discipline yourself. Self-control, disciplines. I heard them talking about it on a message of the cross that they have, you wonder how do they get up every day and go to that program like they do and have and and then work and have a life and a family. I don't, and Brother Swaggart's been doing it all this time. How do they do it? Discipline, self-control. It's because they love the Lord, and they see the fruit of their labor. They know that, and they were even saying, we hope we can only sit here, us, and hope that there's people watching and believe that they are and that their lives are being changed. We don't just do this for us that are in here. We do it for those that are watching, that are listening. We do it so we can be equipped for those that are out there because every one of us are supposed to be going outside the doors and giving them the gospel. Number one, we're supposed to be living it so that people recognize there is something different about them. So that during your day, and I'm sure this comes up for you. I'm just using you an example. I know you don't care. But that during the day, I'm sure that sometimes uh, Lisa on her job may say, you know what, we were praying about that this morning. Or we just read that in such and such this morning. And someone's like, Maybe somebody that doesn't believe yet says, what? And it just comes out of her mouth because it's already twirling around in her head. I have noticed that that when I have read, when I have studied, 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 that when I have said things that just have come out without me even thinking about it, When you study the word of God and a situation arises in the day, something's going to come out of your mouth. You don't even, you don't, you're like 
looking at it come out. It's the Holy Spirit giving you what to say, and somebody just looks at you, and you're like, yeah, me too. That's the Lord. That's why you get up at 6 a.m. That's why you pray at 4, 5, whatever time, whatever you do, that's why you do it, because you are growing. You are being used wherever you go, and it's encouraging to you. We lazy. I'm not. I'm not lazy. I say sometimes I'm just lazy and I can't. But we're we we the church has become lazy and right. COVID has contributed to that a lot because I rather ordered online than I had to go to the store. Oh, I say I'm lazy. I'm gonna order. I'm gonna order that online because I'm not going to the store for one item. But we as Christians have become idle. But for me, I, when I read Proverbs 31, I don't think of it just as me. I think of it as us, Christians. This is what we should be. We should be providers for our house. We should be the laws of God, the, his commandments, the things he's asked us to do. I want to do them. And I'm disappointed in myself when I, when I fail to do what I know God's called me to do or he's asked me to do or he's told me to do or he's commanded or the word says The word is supposed to rebuke you. It's supposed to encourage you. It is supposed to strengthen you. It's supposed to grow you. The fruit of the spirit and the works of the flesh. You can see what's happening in the world today. And wherever you go, if you know the word of God, you are looking through spiritual eyes and not fleshly, carnal, selfish, emotional feelings. Thomas always says, I'll, something be going on, and I'll say such and such, and he's like, we can't, we can't go off our feelings. You cannot, that's emotional. You cannot, you cannot be led by your emotions. Like, well, I'm feeling something right now, and it ain't good for you. And I'm just kidding. I, you know, sometimes I'll go, it's not what I wanted to, or I'll come to him with something, and he'll, we can't, we can't go off feelings. We got to just, you know, we can't go off what we're feeling. I'll roll my eyes and go, well, I'll go somebody else. No. Then when I'm praying, then the next time I'm praying, I find myself saying, Lord, help me not to go off of any kind of fleshly, carnal, emotional feelings, but to go off the spiritual. Look at things through spiritual eyes. Don't allow, and Michaela is a very sensitive person. And, you know, we've always trained her when she was little. You know, she saw a lot being in church and the things that have happened to us. And a lot of times she was present when people would come in here because she was with us all the time. She would be in here when things would happen and she would see it. And I'm sure it affected her. But we would tell her, we don't hate them. I mean, we're we mad right now. We mad. And we don't like what they did, and it was wrong, but we don't hate them. If they were to walk back, and you know, this door has swung both ways for a long time. And people have come, and they've gone, and they've come back, and they've gone, and they've come back, and they've gone, and they come back. And we've told her, don't hate them. If they walk back through that door, you you don't have to be back friends with them outside of this place. You don't have to pick up that. If God doesn't tell you to, you don't have to. If you were friends with them and they 
did think you don't have to continue that type of relationship with anymore, but you can't hate them, and you have to treat them all the same. When they walk back through those doors, you have to love them. And if you don't, I mean, and I'm telling you, it's hard at times. You And I'll say, I, I don't, I love them, but I don't like them. I don't like them, the way they've acted, the things they've done. I don't like it. But if a person repents and comes back and you see a change, you have to give them opportunity. Do they jump back where in the same relation? They jump back in where they were with Christ. And with you, you're not required to be friends with anybody unless God says, Melissa, you have to be friends with Karen. Now, you need to welcome her in. You need to do this. You need That's the Lord. That's why we don't go off of emotions and feelings. We are led by the Spirit. But she's a very sensitive person and very forgiving. And I I have said lately that I think we, she's too forgiving. And I don't know if you can be that way, but, but maybe the too forgiving is not the explanation, but you have to be on guard. Your spirit Your soul is at stake. You can forgive people. You can forgive people. When people, Thomas and I, have, we raised Michaela, obviously, to be what we, what the Bible says, and we have taught her not to hold unforgiveness. It doesn't, unforgiveness turns into bitterness. And it doesn't mean that when somebody does you wrong or someone does my child wrong or my husband wrong that I'm going to forgive them just that instant. I can forgive somebody for what they did to me a lot faster than I can when you do it to Michaela. You know, there's a saying that says, my mama knows what she did, what you did to me and she don't like you. <laughs> but I can remember when Thomas and I first... Um, were together and things um, with the kids, and I didn't like how he was treated. And I had to learn to forgive. We have to learn to forgive. And it's not saying that what that person did is, okay. oh, it's okay. It's not okay. You need to be, re- that. more than likely, most people don't repent of it. And they're not going to ask you, please forgive me. I'm sorry with tears, and you see the repent. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get that. But you still have to release them into God's hands. It doesn't mean when you release someone into God's hands, it doesn't mean that God's going to take them and brush them off. It's going to be okay. You're okay, and I'm going to bless you. That's not what it means. It means you let God deal with them. How is he going to deal with them? I don't know. They could be struck dead tomorrow. They could be struck with illness. They could be put down on their back so that they have to cry out to him. I don't know. And it's not my responsibility to worry about. It's that I'm releasing them and I'm going to let God deal with them because God can deal with them 24-7. I can only deal with them at a moment. It doesn't mean that you are condoning their behavior. On the other side, when someone comes back who has done you wrong and they have truly repented, it's not going to be a sorry 
or just walk back up and never say anything. That You will know. I'll tell you how you're going to know. Over time, and, and even occasionally now, some of the things that I did when I was unsaved, I wanted to go to every person and tell them how sorry I was for what I had did, what I had done, what I did, what, what I had done to them, to their family, to, to, to everything. I wanted to go to them. I, I wanted to so bad, and some I did. But there's one situation where the Lord told me to leave it alone. Not to not to go. And I, I would assume that that wound had healed and that I was only going to make it come up where they had forgotten, maybe forgive. I don't know. But he told me not to say anything about what I had done. And it was someone I would have to go to, doesn't live here. And I didn't. I haven't. But it comes back to my mind occasionally that I that I didn't and that God didn't want me to and he reminds me that I have asked him to forgive me and if opportunity comes or the Lord tells me to I would go to them you know some things they've however many years ago it was you got you got to lay it to rest you got to Leave it in God's hands and ask him, do I go to this person and, and tell them I'm, I'm sorry for what I did 15 years ago? Well, they, they probably they may not even remember who you are. I'm sure they remember who I am. It's so bad. But, you know, things come up, and it was just the other day that I told my mom that I was sorry that I was so bad as a teenager because you, you don't know how bad I was, but I do, and you know, not that I ponder on the things that I did, and I know God forgives me that, you know, there's consequences to the sins that you commit, and you can't take a pencil and an eraser and erase them. You can't just pour water over it with some soap and, and wash it off, and it just go away. You can't just say, God, please forgive me, and ask that person to forgive you, and the damage that you did is still there. I mean, what you did is irreversible. You can't put back together things that you have completely destroyed by the hand of the enemy. The enemy used me to do so many things. People used to say they hate it when they saw my face because they knew if they ran off with me that they would come home days later broke and messed up. Sin will take you to a place you don't want to go. And it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. My mom says, I don't ever, we don't ever think about that. I said, well, you didn't deserve it. And I wanted them to know that there was nothing they could have done any different to keep me from doing what I did. It was my choice. I would stand before God for the things, if I had not repented, the things that I did, they would not have been penalized at all. 
They did the best they could with what knowledge of God they had. But I, I periodically, I, I just want them to know because, I, you know, you wonder, could I have done something different? But you, you can't go back. You can only repent and go forward. But we do things. And we, we, that's why we have to be, I'm sure my parents were led a lot on emotion back then. They loved me, you know, and they, they acted, they didn't know the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know about all these things. They knew about demon powers and, and the Holy Spirit, but not in the way that they, that they had they known now. As you hear Thomas talk about his mom, she knew of that at that time. My parents did not. Not that there's any, any, I'm not making excuses for anything, but I'm saying where they were and what they knew, they tried. They had the preacher, they did what they could. But I believe that they did run a lot on emotion and feelings because they loved me. They didn't want to see me go that route. But there wasn't anything physically they could do. And all they could do at a time then was pray. And people would ask them, how in the world are you dealing with her? Like, how are you making it? What she's doing? How how are you? You're going to church. You're, I mean, you're still living. You're still going to church and doing how? And they said, it's just the Lord has brought us through this. I mean, we're wearing our knees out praying for her, doing the best they could. All that to say, my sins are gone and I have been forgiven. And I don't, I don't worry about that part of it. But the things that I did and the people that I affected, you know, people that got hurt or got lost, I mean, all the things. I could be here for days telling you of all the bad things I did, and it doesn't matter anymore. And some things you don't need to know. But God knows him, and he has delivered me. So we have going back to now the Lord has changed me. I'm nothing like I used to be. I'm sweet, and I'm kind, and I'm loving. That's our big joke at home. I'm sweet, I'm kind. I mean, he's brought me a mighty long way that I, I desire to be the woman of God that God wants me to be. And we have examples in the Bible. We have examples of a wife, of a woman, of a young lady, of a, a wife, spouses. We have husbands. All of that is in the word of God. It tells you that the husband is supposed to love the wife as Christ loves the church. And first and foremost, if the husband, being that the woman is more emotional, Obviously, we are more emotional and feely than the men. If the husband loves the wife as Christ loves us, a lot of the problems in the home would become no more problems. Not that there would be no more problems. But if the husband loves the wife as he should, the wife has no problem submitting to the husband as the spiritual head of the house. A lot of times, if one loves the other as they should, the other problems will dissolve. If the husband's the provider, if he's a spiritual leader, if he loves the wife as he should, it's going to change the relationship. It doesn't mean that the woman acts any out of order because he doesn't love her that way. It still doesn't give the woman the right to to not be the vessel that God wants her to be. 
to do the things he wants her to do. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. If you, Miss Grace, would you mind come to play for just a little bit? This is not just for the ladies. But we all should desire to grow and to be what God wants us to be in the role that we have, that we are in. Whether we are single, male or female, you still need to be an example to people. And just because you're not married doesn't mean that you can't help married folks. You don't know, but you can give them scriptures. You can pray for them. You can give them the word of God. And the same for married people because you're not single doesn't mean you can't help a single folks. You can. You can pray for them. You can give them scriptures. You can be an example to them. So if you are not where you want to be with the Lord... If you know the route he's taken you, as they say, your purpose, I guess. Or you don't know your purpose. But if you know your role that God has placed you in, whatever it be, but you're not where you want to be with the Lord, I want you to come and spend some time with him. Three minutes, two minutes, five minutes, and ask him, to change you so that you can be what he wants you to be so that you can grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord that you can be you can have faith and virtue and knowledge self-control, the fruit of the spirit in him, let's pray Heavenly Father God, Lord we come in the name of Jesus God, we desire to grow in the grace and in the knowledge and understanding of your word. And we pray tonight for every person listening, male and female, that you would touch them where they are in their relationship with you and grow them. God, take us to a higher place in you, oh God, that we would grow spiritually that we would be an example, Lord God, for others. Not that we are great, but that they see how great you are. God, we know your worth. It is far above rubies and gold and money and houses and homes. God, without you, we are absolutely nothing. And we need you tonight to draw us closer to you. So, God, tonight as we come to these altars and feel, Lord, God, draw us closer to you. We want a deeper walk with you, Lord God. Have your way in here tonight, Lord God. Those that need a touch, Lord God, we believe by your power and by your spirit that you're going to touch them, Lord God. You're going to perform the work in their heart that needs to be done, that it would be obvious, Lord God, that a change has taken place, Lord God. We'll feel it. We will sense and, and, and see it even ourselves, Lord God, so that others, Lord God, can be touched and changed by your power, God. Do what you need to do in us tonight, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have a need, want to spend some time drawing closer to him, the altars are open for a few moments. If you would come 
and let him touch you 